Hello everyone, MBZ here. Before we get into the show, there were just a couple of things I wanted to address up the top here. Um, so first of all, uh, I am trying to get the show on iTunes, but that is proving a little bit more difficult than I first envisioned. Um, I'm not sure when it will happen, but uh, we are trying to do our best to get it up there. So just stick with it for the moment, and um, as soon as we figure it all out, we will be sure to get all the episodes up to iTunes as soon as possible. Second thing I want to say is that, unfortunately, we hit some audio snags once again, uh, this week. We'll hopefully try and resolve those next time. We're kind of learning as we go along. It's, it's all a learning process. So unfortunately, the final segment of the show will be using uh, Skype audio as opposed to individual audio, which is what we use for the rest of the segments, uh, which just makes the quality sound nicer. So that's just what you're going to get, unfortunately, um, at the end. I hope it's bearable for you. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show regardless. So thanks for listening and uh, let's get on with it. Hello everyone and welcome to Now You're Playing With Power, a Nintendo podcast. This is episode 2. We're well into the swing of things uh, here and uh, joining me as always, or this one episode goes so far, is Bali. Hello everyone. Hi MBZ. Good evening. Good evening, dear sir. Um, so we, uh, we've we got a, a, an interesting show for you guys tonight. This is going to be uh, basically Zelda heavy. Both of us have been playing uh, the brand new Zelda A Link Between Worlds for 3DS. And uh, we have some uh, some deep impressions. So we're going to get into that. But uh, before we do that, we'll just lay out uh, the segments we're going to deal with. So Balia, tell us, what what's we going to be hearing? Cool, cool. Yep, so we're going to start off with a non-spoiler cast so we're not going to give away anything pretty much about A Link Between Worlds so we're going to talk about everything in the game without giving away any of the plots, the dungeons any specifics, we're just going to talk about our general views of the game Um, then we're going to do a bit of listener mail so a few people emailed in we're going to reply to those and then at the end of the podcast if you, you want to turn off then you can but we're going to do a spoiler cast for Zelda so basically as far as we got to in the game which is pretty far for both of us we're going to reveal everything um, and just talk about what we think about it so yeah yeah so uh, basically a Zelda sandwich with some listener mail uh, filling in between (laughs) (laughs) a a bit of a a poultry uh in between uh, segment, but that's that's fine. We we can get the we can get some heavy <laughs> bread here and here and there. So um, yeah, so no, it's 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 like one of those KFC burgers where the buns are the actual chicken and the middle is like <laughs> it's, it's just like a slice <laughs> of bread in the middle. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of bread in the middle of so our, our proverbial chicken sandwich coming up for you guys. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's a good idea because we're we're putting the Zelda stuff at the end for spoilers. So obviously, if you don't want to be ruined on it and you're still playing through the game, then uh, you can avoid that without too much trouble um, and not really miss anything, which is which is good. So, um, uh, so yeah, we're, before we do that, I have a few impressions on uh, on Mario three. D World, which actually came out a couple of days ago here in the UK. That was actually in the US. Uh, Zelda and Mario came out on the same day, 
uh, 22nd of November, which was like Tearaway also came out, which I also bought, and the Xbox One came out, which I didn't buy because I'm not spending money on that. Fucking 430 <laughs> quid, no thank you. Uh, heavy duty. Um, but that was a big day for the US. Uh, thankfully, you got like a week of break between uh, Mario and Zelda here, so uh, didn't have to concentrate on them both at once. Uh, could kind of, you know, give Zelda the focus and jump to Mario. Uh, and yeah, I've been uh, I've been playing a couple of worlds of that. I've I on the third world right now. Um, and the way that I play, the, well, the way that I played 3D Land on 3DS anyway uh, was I went basically from the beginning and I was like, I'm going to get all the secrets in every level before I move on to the next world. Uh, and that's basically how I'm rolling with it. In fact, I basically just go each individual level. If I don't get everything in it, I'll go back through it. If I don't get everything the second time, I'll go back through it a third time. So it's just, that's just the way I like to do it to make sure that I'm not... Why are you so hardcore? I, I don't know, man. How was it that you played 3D <laughs> Land? You're doing it a little bit differently. Well, I've, I'll admit I've not finished the very end of that game, but I just sort of went through it and got what I could get and then I've been going back through the levels and picking up everything so I so it gives me sort of two runs through the game and I quite like that I don't know yeah I mean you know I had to go back and do two runs of 3D Land and everyone does if they want everything because you have to be every level with Luigi as well as Mario so yeah. so I don't know I, I felt like the reason I did that on on that game was because if I had basically by doing and getting every single thing in the level it meant on my second run through with Luigi I could literally just run through and beat them really quickly without having to worry about the secrets which, which character have you been playing as? so I basically gave all of them a try uh, and uh, this is the thing with 3D World is it brings back the four characters from new, uh, not New Super from the original Mario Brothers 2 on uh, NES um and, and GBA. Yeah, yeah. well, the remake was on uh, GBA, which yeah. was... God, the, the fucking naming conventions for the GBA games are so <laughs> asinine. Like, it, it's... Mar- like when I when when we were young, we just I just thought all three of them were brand new games. I so did I. Like I didn't this even the... realize they were remakes till way later. Yeah, we we were kind of ignorant in our Nintendo knowledge oh. back then. Tell me about so it. So we were like, oh yeah, it's a Mario game on Game Boy Advance. This is new and cool. And uh, I think it was like probably the first 2D Mario game I played was Mario Brothers 2 uh, on GBA. Um, so yeah, those four characters about which are Toad, Peach, Luigi, and Mario, of course, uh, and I. I tried them all out and tried to kind of get a feel for them. I will say that when I started playing the game, it felt really weird in terms of how you control the characters. All of them felt quite slow to me, um, which I don't really like. Uh, and maybe this is because I hadn't played 3D Land in a long time, and maybe it does feel similar to that. But just getting back into that kind of rhythm and, and playing a 3D Mario, um, I don't know, it feels very different to like how Galaxy controlled. I feel that you have to basically... I, I honestly always... But isn't there a run button in this? Yeah, I always hold down yeah. the run button because I don't feel it's quick enough. and I don't think I'm getting enough speed without using that. So I'm kind of forcing myself to do that because, I don't know, it's, it doesn't feel like it's clicking with me in that way. Uh, just the normal run Galaxy speed. Galaxy didn't have run button, did it? You just ran. No, and I think it, you just ran and it had a, a very nicely paced... Uh, rhythm to it with with the way that you move with Mario so um, it's not very similar here and Toad is the fastest character and I do like that but again he doesn't really have 
two great jumping skills and I kind of want more balance so Mario is basically who I'm rolling with in general as the most balanced character because though Peach is helpful with her kind of floaty thing I tend to misjudge things because I'm so used to playing as Mario in these kind of games that having that float kind of fucks me up a bit more than usually I, I would do. Um, but I have tested her, I've tried Luigi, and Luigi's okay, but he does feel a little bit harder to control in this game. His kind of... his leg jump, where he just goes like crazy with his legs, is really difficult to to get a hold of uh, as well. So I think that Mario is the safe choice here, and that's the one that I'm going to be rolling with probably throughout the most of the game. Yeah, um... Johnny from RFN agrees with you. He's like he tried them all, and then he felt, you know, what Mario feels the most balanced by a long way. So I'm just going to play through with him basically, and I can understand yeah. that, I guess. No, def- definitely. Um, I've he- I heard like uh, I was listening to uh, the uh, Bombing in the AM with uh, Patrick Klepig, the Giant Bomb podcast, and he played through the entire game as Peach hmm. uh, because because he he's a ten year old girl. No, yeah, <laughs> at heart, Patrick Klepik is a ten-year-old girl. No, uh, he was he was talking about how uh, the float really helped him and it aided him getting to the top of the flagpole every time to make sure he didn't screw that up, and it helped him to kind of just correct his jumps. But I just feel like I'm not really uh, into the into the rhythm with with Peach and her jumping and her abilities there. So so that's kind of thing. But yeah, no, no, I, I'm rolling with Mario, and so far it's very early on. It's um, it's you know, it's. I can't really say that I've been surprised or um, blown away because I feel like a lot of this, the good stuff that EAD Tokyo does is in the late game, um, and that's where you really see the wacko ideas and the nuts as hard difficulty coming to the fore. Mm. Um, this has been uh, really fun though, and especially like the music in the first castle stage is freaking fantastic oh my god i think a one one thing that i would dock against 3d land is the lack of new original music because there wasn't a whole lot of it i feel like that game was kind of rushed out it was like that generic castle music i guess wasn't it yeah and in general the music was kind of rushed it felt like they were just kind of leaning on the you know the old games and the stuff that made those good in terms of music but They've really put a whole lot of uh, effort into this, and uh, it's especially good because I can basically plug my headphones straight into the gamepad uh, and get all of the music pumping out from there instead of having to worry about you know turning my TV volume up to to hear it. And uh, it's really really good, and I would recommend kind of doing that for for certain stages. Obviously not all of them because you, you don't need to hear a lot of this music. Like Mario music isn't. I feel like my favorite kind of video game uh, arrangements, but um, they're good. And, uh, we, and we opened the show with Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's good. That's really good. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This yeah. distinction, but that's, that's why I said. That's why I said <laughs> that, that some some music is definitely uh, praiseworthy and, and memorable. But um, yeah, no, uh, it's it's been it's been fun. But I don't really have a huge amount of deep impressions of it because I am only in world three beaten two of them so uh that's it you you excited to get into this i know you don't have your wii u with you right now yeah no um i'm away from my wii u just now as you know but um when i get back i'm definitely gonna pick this up and probably play through it relatively quickly i don't know i mean i might savor it a bit considering how 
few and far between games like this come out but yeah I'm, I'm excited you see like i'm the utter opposite of that when it comes to these <laughs> games i will de- like blast through it i devour this shit like i <laughs> utterly just annihilate it and that's what i did for 3d land it was just like 20 hours boom done and uh yeah really really enjoyed it so yeah, cool. I'll definitely have much deeper impressions of that next time. Uh, hopefully get yeah, into same. the late game and uh, some of the more interesting elements. And we'll probably do the same thing we're doing with Zelda with Mario uh, and get a much uh, more in- in-depth discussion on the go. But so far, enjoying it, and I have high hopes. So, so there you go. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break here before we jump into Zelda. So uh, we'll see you in a second. Right, everyone, welcome back to the show, and we are going to dive right into some deep impressions of The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds, brand new Zelda for 3DS, and uh, we've played quite a lot of it. Bali, why don't you kick us off? Tell me, how much have you played so far of this game? I have played about 12 and a half hours, according to my daily log thingamabob on the 3DS and I have done four out of the seven sages so relatively near the end of the game ish um, probably got a f- good few more hours to go but yeah uh, how about you? Yeah so I'm basically I'm a little bit further I've only got one more dungeon left in the game um, so I'm right at the end here and uh, I'm actually at the very entrance to the final dungeon so the next time I hop on my 3DS probably going to crack through that and then uh, probably finish the game off um, although I think I'll probably go back to it uh, to do some 100%ing because I've really enjoyed my time with this game and it's not often that I will go back and try and 100% a Zelda um, I didn't do it with Skyward Sword I did a lot of stuff during the main game but this is one where I'm like okay it's really open and it's really easy to explore and I want to find all this stuff and, and see all the upgraded stuff so that's probably what I will do but let's kind of kick off the discussion with um, let's talk about the main mechanic of this game which is the uh, merging into the walls uh, and uh, being able to turn into a painting and, and get around places by doing that um, this was very basically the first thing that we found out about this game um, when the first trailer was shown uh, I think in the Nintendo Direct earlier this year um, Bali, how, how have you felt that this mechanic has imp- implement, been implemented and has affected the game? I really like it I really like, I won't give it away but the plot that entails when you get it is really good and really clever and the bit leading away from that is is really good so from a plot perspective I love it from a mechanic like perspective I think it's incredible it's so clever that you can you can be walking up to a boulder and you're stuck and you're like oh, I'll just slip around the side and and you you just don't think about that in most Zelda's you think oh there's a boulder I'm going to need a weapon for that later and I'll come back but in this game you just slide on by 
Um, and there's numerous sections in the game where you're sort of trapped in places and then, oh, you can just go into the wall, go by and move on with the game. And I think it's really well implemented. And it must have taken, they talked about this in RFN, but it must have taken so much game testing because it just completely changes the perspective of the entire world. And there's areas of the game that you definitely wouldn't normally see but you can because of the camera angle and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's really, really good mechanic. Yeah, talking about the camera angle, I'm not sure if you heard this bit of trivia, but in the Iwata Asks for Link Between Worlds, it was revealed that the way that they have implemented the camera um, is so that basically so that you can see the front of Link and so that you can be able to see his full character model, essentially, uh, from a top-down perspective they slanted the entire world on its side and they slanted Link on his side. So if you see, like, they have a screenshot of, like, the entire world from a side perspective while it's in uh, kind of the normal mode and everyone's just, like, Michael Jackson-style smooth criminal leaning back. It's really weird and trippy. Um, and really? It's, yeah, that's how they that's how they achieved that effect of, uh, of being able to see Link fully from the top-down perspective because otherwise you would just see his hat, the top of his hat, and nothing else if he was basically straight up. But by having them all lean back, all the stuff lean back, um, uh. that's how you're able to see it, which is really really fascinating and kind of just makes you think how smart these game designers are that they're able to get around that kind of a problem by circumnavigating in that way so it's really cool um what what do you think about the way they implement the the mechanic i love i love it and not only because it is used within the dungeon setting and the puzzles but because it's used for traversal and this is like the similarity I feel between the wall mechanic and the beetle from Skyward Sword and I love the beetle from Skyward Sword simply because it allows you to do so many different things you can solve puzzles with it you can explore areas with it and scout with it and I feel that this wall mechanic is very similar in that way because it allows you to traverse through areas in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise you can scout in um, kind of different rooms and and see what the layout is Uh, and you can solve puzzles by getting past areas and getting to switches and and doing all that kind of stuff so it's just so well wrapped up uh and um and implemented that i'm blown away i'm I'm really blown away at how how crucial it is to the game and 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 how you can essentially just bypass a lot of stuff like you were mentioning with the rock how you ordinarily would need to use some item to either pick that up or blow it up and yet it doesn't matter because there's an alternative and that's another thing which i really like about this game is the alternatives and the ability to take on each dungeon like at your, whatever order you want to and uh, and giving you the, those options so yeah uh really impressed with it um th- the way that it helps the world exploration, which is what I'm going to move on to as well, is is really key because there are areas in the late game, obviously, I don't think this is really a spoiler, but when you get to the dark world or low rule, you're basically going through these cracks in the wall which will transport you there. And um, mm-hmm. to, to try and get to certain areas, you have to use those cracks uh, in order to um, enter different segments of the map. Uh, and so you're constantly like looking like okay so there's a crack up there up high how do i get myself up to that 
level so that I can be on a ledge and go across the top to get in there to move to the dark world. And um, I really like mm. how that works. Uh, it's, it's really cool. I don't know if you've done this, but I do this really, really derpy thing. And I've done it quite a lot since quite early on in the game. And that's when you go to low rule and you're still in painting form, obviously. Yeah. But you, you, you kind of like forget which way you went into the painting so you just basically press one direction on the analog stick and you basically just crawl like not crawl you basically sidle back into where you just came from and you have to go through that cutscene again yeah i've done that a couple yeah i've done that a couple times and it's uh... it's not a complaint at all it's just it's just a comment on my own derpiness but yeah yeah it's just if you're not paying attention then you're like oh <laughs> fuck i have to go back and back <laughs> yeah and then you want to go back oh, okay. yeah, mind, yeah. But yeah anyway um but yeah moving on again to like the idea of exploring this world obviously both of us as we mentioned last time don't have any experience with link to the past so we don't know this hyrule as many other people do uh, and as intimately as most other people do um so what do you think of it like is it fun to explore do you like how you know kind of compact it is because it's not the hugest of zelda maps honestly yeah, and that's, that's it... expected because it was based on a super nintendo game like like you've said i've not played link to the past and i was shocked at how quickly you could get from a to b when i started the game and it was like oh i'm here and now I'm here, and then it's not the, the that sense of when you're playing something like Wind Waker or Twilight Princess or a 3D Zelda. You that that sense of that massive journey to get to a place. I think I, and I talked about this a lot when we were talking about our favorite dungeons and Wind Waker and traveling to Dragon Roost, and it feels like a real an adventure quest. It feels like a proper quest, an adventure, and. I don't want to say that this game doesn't feel like an adventure, but the 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 how tight knit everything is to each other does do something very different from the 3D Zeldas that I'll be honest that I miss to be honest, and I don't think there's much they could have done about it with a 2D Zelda, but yeah, I don't know. Perhaps something even as simple as Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Tracks, yeah. because there's all that traveling in between it kind of makes you feel like the world is much bigger than it actually is whereas with this game it feels maybe they've just said we're not fooling anyone we're just gonna you can walk here you can walk there you can and it feels like they don't even want to go for that really that they're they're trying something different and yeah i I respect them for that so no i i I do love the world yeah i I think it's it's really awesome that they let you roam free from the beginning like they literally don't hold you back there are zero barriers in place the only ones being obviously the item locking but after the first like mini dungeon that you do you get access to rent every item in the game so if you want to go to a place you can basically get there as long as you have the item in your equipment slot um and you, before you even like start any of the first Laurel dungeons, you can go to every single part of that world uh, and get every rupee that's hidden away and all the heart pieces and do all the mini games before even setting foot in a dungeon. And I think that that's really like 
it's a thing that they've been talking about, and they talked about this when they were discussing the the new Wii U Legend of Zelda, how they're going to rethink Zelda, and they're going to change it so that you can basically do dungeons in any order and that kind of thing. And it's a radical departure from what Zelda has been in modern times. Um, it's essentially very similar to what the original Legend of Zelda was, because in that game you could go to any dungeon you wanted. They weren't really item-gated, like items weren't a major thing in the first Zelda, uh, and so, you know, they weren't implemented hugely in dungeons, and you didn't have to rely on one. You could basically just do them in whatever order, and if you got to the eighth dungeon before the first, you'd probably be fucked, because it's really fucking hard, but, um, you know, it's it's just giving you that choice and, and that ability to to do whatever you want and, and go wherever you want. I, I agree. I mean, I really enjoyed the idea that I was like a couple of dungeons behind you, but I had still done a dungeon that you hadn't done. Right. And You're like, getting I a different fu- experience, even though yeah. I'm, I've done more than well, you Well, funny have. story, actually, because our first three dungeons, we both completely by chance, without telling each other... <laughs> did the same three first dungeons. Yeah, that that was like complete chance. It's really weird because <laughs> <laughs> like we we had intended when we were playing this game we're like okay awesome you can do dungeons in any order. That means that when we come to like discuss it on the podcast uh we're going to have different experiences and then yeah. like I, I i ring bali on skype i'm like okay so what dungeons have you done and he's like these three i'm like fuck <laughs> i did those three <laughs> and uh and that was really crazy and they were all in the exact same order as well so there you go i guess we had a very similar and experience the, the one remaining dungeon you have is the one i was about to do so there's sort of basically two that that's the one mutual black spot we have as it were yeah, and all the other dungeons that one of us has done, sort of thing. So yeah, between us, between us, we've experienced yeah. the whole game. So <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I think the world exploration has been made also a lot more convenient by the use of the weather veins and being able to warp whenever you want. Um, I really like that. I also think like. When I first got the game, and I was, uh, I was like, okay, let's let's see, how do I save in this? And it's like, oh, you have to go to these weather veins in order to save. I'm like, fucking Nintendo, why? Why can't I just save anywhere? I've been able to do saving anywhere in Zelda games for as long as I can remember. And what about Skyward Sword. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's it's dumb. Like I quite I... liked it. I quite liked Skyward Sword saving. I think the Skyward Sword saving was good because. Like, they were really scattered everywhere was a thing. So I didn't really have a major issue with that. But the thing with this was, like, like it's a portable game, and I want to be able to save whenever I want. Like, I want to have the convenience of saving wherever. But then, you know, literally 20 minutes later, you get access to the broomstick woman, the the, the witch on her her broomstick, and she basically flies you wherever the hell you want to go. So it's really not a non-issue in the end, because if you want to save, you just basically ring her up and be like, bitch, take me on your broom to a weather vane where I can save. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that's what I did. So, um, it also just makes it much more convenient, like, if you want to get to the beginning of a palace. So, you can basically, yeah. you can basically go and do all the lead-up to a dungeon before actually tackling it, and you can just activate a weather vane there. Meaning that, like, for the first like, three low-rule dungeons, I essentially just basically opened them all up and then went and did them uh, after the fact like all three in a row so uh, that, w- that was pretty cool I-, I enjoyed doing that 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I like the ability because there's a few of the dungeons that are much trickier to get to than others. And it takes a good maybe 20 minutes, half an hour to get to certain ones. And it's nice that you have that genuine checkpoint where you're like, I know I'm going to restart the game here. Whereas something like even Wind Waker, you can pause, save, switch off, come back in and you've been dumped somewhere far from where you saved. And you're kind of like, Ugh, I feel a bit discombobulated. Where, where, where do I go next? Whereas this game... Like Skyward Sword, you restart exactly where you saved, and I, I, that that's that's really good. It's it's definitely convenient. Um, the other convenient things in the dungeon, um, I'm, I think this is a thing which was in Wind Waker with like the jars or whatever, where you could warp uh, to different po- points in the dungeon. Yeah, um, they have it in Spirit Tracks as well. Yeah, and I think they have it in Skyward Sword. I don't know if it's implemented the same way in those games. The way that it's implemented in this game, I really like because. Basically, as soon as you pass, have like, you been the, using it? I have been. Like, as soon as you pass the yeah. mini boss, um, you get access to like a little warp point will take you back to the start of the dungeon. And the reason why I like it is because a lot of the times I will have left chests at the start of the dungeon, and I'm like, okay, I I'm not really sure how to uh, get this just yet. Let me continue with the dungeon and see if I get something which will make me open it up later. And a lot of the times, yeah, I did. Like, I was able to open up a way to get there later in the dungeon, so I could literally just use that warp point to go back to the start go around collect the chest and then use it back again to get back to where i was in the the later part of the dungeon um and i I actually found it really convenient so it was it was good it's also nice to have if you need to take a break in the middle of a dungeon which i haven't had to um in this game because most of the dungeons have been really short like i think the longest i spent is an hour on a dungeon which is mostly unheard of for most zelda games like a lot of the dungeons in in twilight princess skyward sword are like hour and a half minimum uh so so it's a much brisker if it's pace. your first time and you've never done the dungeon before in a 3d zelda like twilight princess you're right it takes it's a it's a it's a whole playing session yeah exactly whereas with link, <laughs> unless, link between, unless you're super keen link between worlds like you don't have to you can be like okay i'm gonna spend like you know 40 minutes doing a dungeon then i have time to go and do some messing around in the overworld and then maybe set up my myself to go to unlock the next dungeon uh and in that same time in 3d zelda you would have barely just finished a single dungeon so um i definitely definitely think that that's a cool thing talking about the pacing like it is a very quick game um and it's super smooth frame rate as well how, how do you feel like that's affecting how you're playing the game with the the frame rate affecting how fast the game plays through, you mean? Yeah, like like how smooth the controls are and how how fluid everything is. Yeah, it's the loading times between areas are non-existent unless you're going in and out of buildings. And oh yeah, yeah. That rarely happens, and it's it's a very quick loading time in any case. Saving is quick. Calling on Irene who's the witch, is very quick. <laughs> just, that's a caveat, there's not just a random woman called Irene. Yeah, calling on Irene. Irene. <laughs> anyway, yeah. It's really, everything's really fast-paced, and like I said earlier, it's so quick to even walk between places that that combined with the close, tight-knit way the dungeons are laid out and how fast you can get through the dungeons, you can, you can do a lot of game in a very short time, mm. and I have mixed feelings on that. I quite like... Um, I like the fact I can play a lot of this game very quickly, 
and I feel like I've really achieved something and really done like the best bits of the game which in my opinion are the dungeons and, and that's really satisfying because sometimes longer dungeons than the other Zelda games can feel like a slog but at the same time they feel like more of an accomplishment when you complete them so I do have mixed feelings on that but overall definitely good ones I mean what do you think about the, the pacing? Um, I love how quick it is in like swinging your sword. You can literally just hammer the B button, and you will just go crazy with that swing. Uh, and yeah, just the circle pad is actually a really good form of movement. Like I thought that in a 2D game, I'd prefer using a D pad. Um, they don't actually give you that option, but um, it's you know something that Pokemon still is struggling with. It's moving in three dimensions. <laughs> like, um, yeah, no, no, it's it's. It's really, really nice, and uh, I'm I'm very pleased with how technically technically adept the game is. And talking about like the technical side of things, how do you think it stands up visually? Like I I wasn't one of those people because oh. I know there are a lot of people who didn't uh, like the art style and weren't a big fan of it when it was first revealed and were like, oh, this isn't what Zelda should look like and it's going back to that kind of very simple Link design um, which I don't honestly like that much. I'm not a big fan of that Link. I prefer the kind of blonde uh, more traditional, like the more modern Link, I guess. Um, that one is doesn't really appeal to me that much but it's not really a, a major factor uh, in all honesty. Um, yeah, I... I'm completely I completely have faith in Nintendo keeping on mixing it up. We've had a lot of that Wind Waker Toon Link character in both Spirit Tracks, Phantom Hourglass, Wind Waker, and there's elements of him in sort of Minish Cap and a lot of the art there. And even in this game, when you're in the wall you look just like the Wind Waker Link, which is cool. So I, I don't I don't really have an issue. I'm not the most fussy in terms of what Link looks like, to be honest. Um, I like I, I, I like all the Links because it's not really about Link for the game. No, it's <laughs> he's he is simply the uh, the device through which you uh, fucking do everything. So it's it doesn't matter what he yeah. looks like. You're just playing as him. Um, yeah, no, I I think that it looks really nice though, and I feel like this is a game where if you don't play it in 3D, then I don't understand why you're playing it at all. Like you need yeah. 3D, and it is so crucial to how mechanically the game, um, you know, introduces itself and and uses itself. Like there are dungeons where verticality is like the main theme and if you don't see that depth uh, below you then it's very difficult to even you know get through and and get to the places you need to go yeah there's lots of grates and areas where you're you can see through to different floors and even in the overworld in both hyrule and low rule there's these incredibly good looking cliff edges where you can see right down into the crevasse crevasses and it's just really great use of the 3d um i know that there was a particular bit you were telling me about last night mbz mm -hmm. where I, i'm trying not to spoil it but it, there's a big deep bit that you're looking into and it graphically looks very impressive yeah yeah 
No, that's 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 a major major point, and um, it's it's really the first game since Mario 3D Land that has legitimately been like this is why 3D is a central and integral part of the system, and this is how you do it. And I feel like that's the thing with the 3DS is that not really any other developers, maybe barring Capcom, have been able to leverage its visual power using the 3D. Um, you know, I was hearing a lot of good things about how 3D is used in Phoenix Wright and stuff, but really the two games that have done it the best are Zelda and Mario, and, and Nintendo really know. I mean, it is their system. They designed the hardware, so they should know how to utilize it. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a great part of the game. Uh, now I think something that we haven't talked about, which is uh, what a lot of people are kind of very mixed on, is the new item system and how that whole thing mm-hmm. works with the fact that from the very beginning of the game you can rent uh, any item that you want, um, and uh, as long as you don't die, you get to keep it. So as soon as you die, uh, every rented item you have in your possession will be taken away, um, and so this kind of opens up like. How far, like, do you think it affects the dungeons uh, in terms of the way that they're built? Because traditionally in Zelda dungeons, you go through halfway, get an item, and then use that item for the boss and the subsequent areas. Um, do do you like the the rental system and uh, using items that way? Um, it's not even so much the rental system um, because I think it's so easy to get rupees in this game that it's almost you can you're renting them so seldom that you could just buy them more often but in terms of running through the dungeon from start to finish with the same item all the way through yeah i quite like it i mean all the items are relatively simple items there's nothing i'm trying to think of an example of a complicated item from another spinner the ball and chain yeah spinner ball and chain they're all quite technical uh even the the beetle that's quite a technical item they're very specific items yeah, they're very, like I said, basic, and the dungeons are masterfully designed around that simplicity, and I really don't feel like it's I'm missing out on something by going into the dungeon, playing through half of it without an item, getting the item, and going to the end. Uh, it's It's probably better, in my opinion, to just go start to finish of a dungeon with the same item, because... Even though you're using the same item throughout the dungeon, it there's it does still evolve throughout the dungeon how you use that item, and it's like oh, I didn't know I could use it in this way as well, sort of thing. Yeah. And and then obviously on the bosses, you're using it again in another way, and yeah, no, yeah. I I really like it. To uh, be I I I do feel that when like in traditional Zelda's, uh, you basically. See, this is the problem I have with Arbiter's Grounds and Twilight Princess, for example, because the first half of that dungeon I really dislike and is... uh, It's just an utter train wreck. It's basically copy and pasted from the Forest Temple and Ocarina of Time where you do the exact same thing and find four pose and use them to activate the the elevator or whatever. In this case, activate opening a door. And then you get to the fun part where you get the spinner and you're fighting, um, you know, the boss with it. And it's so cool. I wish the Arbiter's Grounds, you know, in this way, I wish that you would have had the spinner from the beginning and they could have designed an entire dungeon around that item. I think that would have been fantastic. And that's the good thing here is that they can do that. They can start a, a, a dungeon 
and say, okay, you already have the item. Let's just make the entire dungeon based around that. And they don't even go super deep with it because a lot of the times you're juggling two items or you're using the wall merge mechanic a lot more. Um, but I really appreciate the fact that they're not kind of skimping on the first half of dungeons and they're saying, yeah, you know what, you have the, you have the item. Let's just give you puzzles that involve it for the entirety. And um, that's a really great progression. And I feel that that's something that they... they Oh, sorry. If they if they can uh, keep doing in in follow up Zelda's, um, definitely, definitely. Um, though, in terms of the actual renting and buying of items, it it does seem to be a little bit broken. Um, you can like the you were saying how many rupees there are in the game. You can collect a huge amount, especially if you're doing the street pass uh, links, which I have been doing. Uh, some of them give like two three hundred rupees if you defeat them, and that's like a significant amount when it comes to uh, buying an item. Each item you can buy for 800 rupees, uh, apart from a couple of the higher-end ones, which are 1,200. But um, in total, it's not a huge amount, and you can essentially get every single item pretty quickly. I think I had all the items maybe three dungeons into low rule, uh, and then for the rest of the time, I was able to just kind of cruise my way through and, and uh, open up areas and not have to worry about that thing. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure that it's it's implemented perfectly in this game. I think that they could do and make steps in a future title to refine that. But um, I definitely think it's an interesting concept, and I'm glad that they changed it up. Um, so so yeah, that's 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 pretty awesome. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the music of the game and and the tracks and uh, and what we're hearing and and the sound design. Uh, what do you think, Bali? How, how is this stacking up in terms of Zelda soundtracks? The music along with the dungeon design are my two favourite areas, definitely. But the music is... I'm not much of a connoisseur when it comes to knowing which track is from which game and how they've meshed them together and things like that, but I just really love this music. And the first time you're in Low Rule, it really hits you quite hard, I think, the music. Low Rule's theme is the Dark World theme, uh, which is basically from Link to the Past. And I think all of these songs are from Link to the Past, um, but we not having familiarity with that game don't really know that. Uh, but the way that they've remixed them is just it's fucking transcendent. Like, it's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. And if, like, this is a game you should play with headphones on and just crank the volume Absolutely. right up. Um, it's it's really fantastic, uh, and I'm I'm super impressed with it. I was going to say, just what are your final thoughts on the game overall? Um, I I really like it. I I think that it's good to to have a Zelda which isn't 50 hours long. Though I adore those experiences, I definitely think those are much more suited to the console space. Um, in the handheld arena, like a shorter Zelda makes much more sense, and one that is so briskly paced and and so uh, smooth and and quick and and just just damn pick up and play. You know, like it's it, yeah. it's one of those things that I feel about console Zeldas is when you commit to a play session, you're really like, okay, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to get stuff done, and I'm going to do this and that. Whereas this is like, oh, I'll just. I'll just you know run around the world. Maybe I'll find some hot pieces and I can just close it. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. really. I think Nintendo has that down really well when it comes to portable gaming. They know the experiences to design for that mode of play. 
um, and and they do it really well. So I, I'm I'm super impressed. I uh, you know obviously played most of the game at this point. I think the ending is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm very excited to see like what the final boss shakes out like and how the ending cutscenes look and all that good stuff. Um, but of course, we'll uh, kind of give you our our ending thoughts on that next week when or next couple of weeks when we have uh, finished the game. But yeah, Balia, any further thoughts there? Yeah, final thoughts, I'd say it, that it's a vast improvement on the previous handheld Zeldas. Uh, the most recent two I'm talking about, Spirit Tracks and Phantom Hourglass. I really think that it's a much smoother experience from what I've played. It's just graphically better, musically far better. There's no uh, Temple of the Ocean King, so, you know. <laughs> oh, God. And there's no stupid... Oh, trains and oh, God, I hate trains. But <laughs> they've just really refined it, and they've really just gone really hard with the design, and they've not tried to do too much new stuff that doesn't fully work, such as touchscreen fighting, which is so fiddly and annoying after a while. And they've just decided, right, just going to stick to circle pad, going to stick to these relatively simple weapons. They've not gone for any anything over the top that might not work as well, and they've played it safe in some aspects, but they've played it safe in all the right aspects, and that's what I really like about this game. Excellent. So uh, yeah, we've we've done a pretty uh, good uh, good long talk about Zelda. I feel oh, yeah, we've, we've covered most of the bases. Um, do let us uh, know what you think about uh, Link Between Worlds if you're playing it. Uh, feel free to send in uh, some questions uh, to our email address, nyppquestions at gmail.com. And uh, maybe next week when we've finished, or I keep saying next week, and uh, the next show when we finish the game, uh, we'll uh, maybe respond to some of those and, and, t- and talk about them. So uh, definitely do that. Um, but we are going to take a break here and we'll come back very soon with your listener mail. So stay tuned. Okay, everyone, welcome back. Uh, we are going to tackle some listener mail here. Uh, we didn't get a huge amount, so it's going to be a relatively short segment, but uh, you can remedy that by sending your listener mail to nyppquestions at gmail.com, um, and we would love to li- hear from you and love to read your questions on the show and uh, and discuss them. Um, so, Bali, you have uh, the first, uh, first Yes, email. I have some emails. So the first question is from 12 Kezo, and he says, Hi, MBZ and Bali. I know the game has been out a while, but I would like to know who you used on your Fire Emblem Awakening playthrough and who you would recommend I use. Um, I'll admit right now I don't own this game, although I do plan on picking it up in the future, but MBZ, what do you think? Okay, so uh, 
my Fire Emblem Awakening playthrough was a while ago, because uh, I played it when it came out in, like, March or, or May. I think it was May, actually, because there was that long, like, one-month wait. It came out in April in the U.S., and there's a one month wait for me and like Steve Magnitude he had it and uh, all those guys had it and I was like I want to play it and uh, they were torturing me with it but um, finally got it um, and uh, and yeah I, I love this game and I'll tell you what who I used uh, mainly um, but it's going to be a little bit difficult because at the moment they're all like different classes so it's it's kind of hard for me to remember because their original classes is what I used during the main game uh, and so it's a little bit different but obviously my main character the avatar that I used um, I made him like I made him much more of a magically based character because at the beginning you get the option as to whether you want him to be more kind of melee or magic based and I, I made him more magic based uh, which kind of helped me out I think um, I had more melee characters to begin with so it was nice to have that extra balance um, so yeah I was using him uh, and I, I ended up marrying him to Lisa who was the uh, the healer the cleric uh, and she's the sister of the main character Krom um, so you know just <laughs> get my, my best friend in the game going to marry the sister that's that's what it's all about and that's, uh, that's how I rolled um, and uh, yeah they, they were a good uh, good pairing and they did really well for me um, another few that I used were Longku who's a, a swords master he, he becomes he's like um, a Myrmidon um, and Tharja who's a dark mage he's really good um, there's obviously of course Donal Donal is one of those characters where Bali you'll get this in because you played Sacred Stones quite a bit you know mm-hmm. that there are characters like Ewan and characters like Amelia who start out really terribly but really if, terrible if you if you put the time into them and <laughs> they uh, just die <laughs> if you actually level them up they are the best characters in the game and they are unbelievably powerful and Donal is exactly that he starts off as a villager he has a fucking bucket on his head not a bucket he has like a a pot he has a pot on his head and wields a stick uh and and yet he becomes one of the most powerful characters in the game so I would recommend, because Donald pops up really early in one of the side chapters, uh, you should definitely get him uh, and try and uh, use him in your team because he will be an asset and a half uh, and really useful. Um, I used Sumia, who was the, the main Falcon Knight for me, um, and uh, and she was really great. Uh, definitely a solid Falcon Knight. Krom, obviously, he's the main character. Uh, and uh, and and a bunch of others. There's there's loads of different ones that I used throughout my playthrough. Um, I can't quite remember like who else was in my main team, but those were a lot of the ones that I was using in general. Uh, and, and so yeah, that's 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 pretty much that. Bali, let's let's move to Sacred Stones a little bit, so you can have something to talk about on this subject. Like who are the who are the characters that you are using in Sacred Stones? Oh, testing me on names now. Um, I've played about seventeen hours of this game, and I am not very far at <laughs> all. And I think it's because I'm a bit of a perfectionist to some degree in the sense that I like to bring the weak characters with me and then I don't want anyone to die but they still do die so I have to restart the level so I've like I basically fail on very simple levels but who who are the guys I like I really like Comb yeah because you just stick him in a forest and basically nothing hits him and I find it really cool that he always dodges hits and his animation for dodging hits is really cool yeah um, who else do I like? I really like the archer and the Amy. Amy, yeah. Although I've just got the new guy. What's his face? The prince. Uh, Inez. 
Prince Ennis, yes. yes. So he, I know that he's a better archer, isn't he? So, uh, well, he's t- well, te- if we want to get into technicalities, because he's already <laughs> he's already promoted. Like Ennis is a yeah. promoted archer, so a lot of the time when you come across units that are already promoted, they'll end up like basically. You know, well, obviously we know Pokemon better at this point but back in the day it was like oh if you catch a Pokemon early it's going to be much better than if you catch it later yeah. back then we it's didn't that know that the ethos. reason for that was I, it was EVs and stuff but yeah. now we do but it's kind of that similar idea where if they're already promoted you're better off using someone who you've leveled through and have gained stats with so mm. Naomi will like in the end when they both get to level 20 as Sniper Naomi shakes out as a better unit in, in the end so I mean, I've I have done that leveling up thing because I've got Ross as my pirate now, which is satisfying. Ross is a pirate, and pirates are free. Ross is a pirate. (laughs) Um, So I'll admit that Sacred Stones is having a bit of a hiatus just now as Zelda's come out, but I'll definitely talk about it in future on the podcast when I finish up that game. Yeah, although it'll take me a good forty more hours probably. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, a couple more uh, units that I just remembered. I used Gaius, who was the thief. Uh, I used Pan, who was the. She's like an. She turns into a a, a bunny rabbit. So <laughs> she turns into this. <laughs> what? That sounds really bad. She's like, um, you know how like there's the mana cats who turn into dragons. Um, yes. She's like, uh, I can't remember what the name is, but she's like an animal beast Shape thing. Shifter. Uh, yeah, basically, she turns into like this giant badass rabbit who's really pretty cool. Um, a were-rabbit. Yeah, she, she uses the beast stone to turn into the, a beast. Um, yeah, and then, then I use Naoi, who is the mana cat in this game, or, or the main one. She's she's awesome as well. Um, I think the more interesting thing about Awakening is the pairings, as opposed to the individual characters, because my opinion on Awakening shifted significantly um, from, like, chapter 1 to 5 to, like, chapter 10. Because in the beginning, I was using just characters individually and standing them next to each other, as opposed to pairing them up. And the difference is that when you pair them up, they essentially... they become so much easier to manage and control, because you're moving two characters at once instead of just one. And it's essentially a beefed up unit because they'll help each other out in battle and like one will guard the other with their armor or one will attack twice with the other one um and i think that's where things become much more interesting like how the romances shape out and which marriages you choose to go down with and and all that good stuff so um i'm sure that uh you know when you get a chance to play awakening at some point we'll get into more or more of that but i i love this game i love it to death and i plan on eventually doing an LP of it when I get a capture card sorted but yeah for the moment that's uh, that's basically uh, what, what I did in Fire Emblem with my characters so I hope that was uh, a good enough um, response for you but uh, uh, that's that so let's move on to the next question I guess yeah next question so this is directly for you MBZ MBZ are you ever going to finish TP Twilight Princess I loved what's been finished and I'm so looking forward to the rest. Also what 3DS platformers would you most recommend? I finished most of my games and I'm looking for another. And maybe you guys could do a top three or whatever uh, games in each genre you play or something. That would be cool. That's from Saint. Okay. So a number of little questions there. Do you want to 
Uh, Dissect. So, so let me address the Twilight Princess question. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, he represents millions of people out there in his head. <laughs> yeah, the this, millions this is, of millions this is yearning. Important. I know. Um, so my Twilight Princess playthrough is rather infamous. It's been going on for like two and a half years. <laughs> and you've, you've been saying two and a half years for about two years now. No, it's, it's not that much long. longer than that. It's not that long. Um, so... I am going to finish Twilight Princess, and I, I've said that multiple, multiple times. The issue I have with Twilight Princess is the only way that I can record it is by hooking up my Wii to my TV. I've tried recording with Wii U, the quality is crap. I've tried, uh, you know, recording... <sighs> like, the problem is, is that I I have to wait half an hour for my TV to stop spazzing out before I can play... And, and record and that's really a barrier to entry for me um, and it's you know I, I will do it it's just like finding the time and finding you know a moment to dedicate to being like okay I'm going to play Twilight Princess I'm going to record some and get on with it and just so happens that that opportunity doesn't come around that often so there'll be like three months and then a batch of like ten videos and then like three months and then a batch of like five videos so that's just how it works really and I think that's just how it's going to be um, in all honesty uh, it's it's always been that way, but uh, never give up on it because I will I will finish Twilight Princess. It's it is a, a uh, an ongoing project, shall we say? So there you go. Okay, and what which three DS platformers would you recommend? I mean, we Ugh. we don't know which ones you've already played. No, I don't so... know which ones you played, but I'm guessing you probably played Mario 3D Land. That's yeah. The, if you've uh... not played that, you you need to. It's that is the quintessential platformer on 3DS. Uh, it is so fantastic. It's it's really really great. Um, try, trying to think of others actually. I can think of um, Rayman Origins uh, was available on 3DS, um, and that's a game that I think is probably better on maybe Vita or or even one of the consoles. Um, but Rayman Origins is a fantastic game. I got it in the Steam sale last uh, or this summer actually, and I blazed through that game. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And there are like these segments you played them in the demo, Bali. Uh, yeah. The, these really awesome segments where you basically it's a speed run through a level and if you fuck up once you're dead and you have to start from the beginning and I just oh, I love that I just love those like timing based precision based platforming challenges and there aren't a huge amount in the game because they're kind of secret levels that you unlock but when you get to those that's like the moments where you're like yes this is this is why I am playing this game this is this is why um I'm like going through all the other levels to get to these. Uh, it's kind of similar in Rayman Legends, where you have the music levels, which are very much like that. Um, they're all based around like hitting uh, those platforms at the precise right moment and uh, syncing it with the music to make it work even better. So, um, so yeah, Rayman Rayman is a good one to suggest. Um, what about you've played um, and completed uh, both Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers? What about those two? True. Yes. Uh, both. Both of those. Um, I think they're a little bit lower down the list. Uh, definitely, New Super Mario Brothers Two is. It's. <laughs> You've really got a thing about this game. I mean, <laughs> I you feel. Just, you, you told me before that you wish you'd skipped it and just gone maybe for the Wii U version. 
I really wish I'd done that. I I I don't think like I don't think it's a bad game fundamentally. And the problem that I have is it's just so rote. Like it is the most cookie cutter bland <laughs> you know ah it's it's so just dull. It is a dull Mario platformer and it is it has the new super it has the new super plague like it is the same fucking shit again and I just don't stand for this anymore there's nothing like innovative about it there's like the most innovative thing about this game is the fact that you have a power up which lets you turn things into coins and you have to collect a billion coins Look, let me tell you something. Collecting coins isn't fun. It's not (laughs) an integral or interesting gameplay mechanic, and it shouldn't be a basis for a full fucking game. Uh, No. I would say don't play New Super Mario Bros. 2. I would say try and play something else. You can come round to mine in the holidays, and we'll play a bit of Mario U. Yeah, that'll... that'll, uh, Don't worry. That'll make me feel a bit better. Donkey (laughs) Donkey Kong, however is a solid game. It's it's obviously if you haven't played it on Wii, uh then, you know, this is a perfect time to pick it up, especially because they adapted the controls, meaning you no longer have to shake the Wii remote to do it to do a roll on the ground, which I know a lot of people had trouble with. Um and also if you aren't super good at platformers, it has the kind of the more casual mode where you get uh, an extra hit uh, to take, or an extra two hits, I think it is, if you're using Diddy Kong as well, because you get six hearts as opposed to four hearts, um, which is really nice and much better uh, for, for portable play, because you're not constantly stuck on a level. Um, it, it means they go by much faster. Um, I basically beat this game in, over the course of a week, just going through a world each night, and it was a challenge, man. This game is balls hard, even though I was playing on the, the easier difficulty. It's so hard. The final boss, like, I was sitting there for literally about 40 minutes, and I was, like, giving up all hope, and then I finally did it, and it was so satisfying. Like, Donkey Kong Country Returns is one of the hardest platformers that I've played, and beating that game, I feel, is an achievement. So if you want something that's difficult, I would go with that. Um, But then, actually, I'm going to come to my favorite platformer on the system, and one that you should buy and is very affordable and is one of my favorite games I've played this year. I think I actually played it last year yeah it was this last is better year. than 3d land mm, they're both very different because this, okay. this is this is this is know different. what you're about to say here. uh this is vvv vvv uh oh. which is that counts as a platformer it is a platformer i mean okay. you're, you're jumping uh, so <laughs> okay. that's the main mechanic uh it is a nuts hard fucking it's it's what they call like torture platform it's like it's in the same vein as super meat boy like um masochistic it's it's a masochistic platformer where you will die hundreds and hundreds maybe thousands of times in this game but it is never frustrating because of how quickly you respawn and how quickly you're back into the game and trying it again and that's the that's the hook with Super Meat Boy. It's the hook with this game. It's the hook with Electronic Super Joy. That's a game that I'm I'm playing on Steam right now. It's the hook with They Bleed Pixels. All these games that are masochistic platformers, and I 
adore them. I love them. And just because they're so tight and they are so challenging and satisfying when you when you beat them. Uh, I recommend VVVV to everyone. I think it is an absolutely excellent experience. It's an indie game developed by one guy. One dude made the whole game. Music, assets, design, everything. He did the entire thing on his own. I think it's a fucking achievement. Um, so I heartily recommend VVVVV. Uh, or V6, cool. or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, so what about the last bit of his question, and he's suggesting that we do a sort of top some top number of games in each genre, genre that we play, or um, something. So. I, I don't think that we have really enough time to address this now. I think what we can do, though, is make that maybe uh, we'll a We'll think segment. about it. <laughs> yeah, we, we can make that a segment on, uh, an, on another show, and, uh, and address yeah. that stuff in more depth. But yeah, no, certainly, that's, that's something that we could uh, look at. Maybe racing, or platformers, or... Yeah. Yeah. But we'll think of something. We'll think of something. <laughs> okay, right. right. The last question this week from Meowth900. My question is how was the Professor Layton game? I'm in North America and you guys are in the UK. Okay, and you're getting all the games first, and I'm asking you because you get them first. Well, I haven't played it, so I can't really comment on the new Layton game. Um, I am a fan of Layton, but I'm much more of a fan of Phoenix Wright. So I've played the first two Professor Layton games, um, which they're good, but the problem I have with Layton is that there's this divide between the gameplay and the story, which sometimes coalesces, but most of the time doesn't. And what I mean by that is... The, the main gameplay in Layton games is solving puzzles, and that is very distinctive from what you're doing in the story. Sometimes the puzzles and story will cross over where a puzzle will link into something that's going on in the story, but mostly they are very distinct entities, uh, and I feel like there's this disconnect there, which I'm not like super enamored with because you, you get to like these puzzles and you're like okay why am i figuring out why six pigs cross a river and two wolves on the other side and get each to the other side you know that kind of thing those kind of puzzles that's essentially what this game is um and uh it, they're good and the problem i have is that i probably have gone a little bit overkill by playing the first two and I played them quite close to one another so I'm not really wanting to go back to the series uh, for a little while um, but yeah that, that's really my issue with it but the thing is like this is a new one on 3DS and I haven't played any of the 3DS latent ones yet so maybe those will be uh, a bit better um, not that I'm saying they're bad but just maybe they'll be more interesting to me in terms of like mixing the story and puzzle elements together uh I don't know about you, Bally, because you don't really know anything about Professor Layton, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know nothing. I know it's got, like, tons of puzzles in it, and I'd be keen to try maybe the first one at some point, but... Yeah, it's definitely. not particularly high on my list but no, no. things to do but anyway yeah no but the, the stories are really cool the stories are always like fucking wacky as hell they make no sense and you get to the end it's very similar to Phoenix Wright in the story department um, but I feel that Phoenix Wright is a lot it's, it's a much stronger game for me anyway because the gameplay and the story are so intertwined um, and uh, and it just it makes it more enjoyable in, in my honest opinion so that's that uh, cool so that's that so uh, just before we go I did have a quick other question from Twitter which uh, I can't remember who it's from um, but they asked who is your favourite Link 
as in from Zelda, like which is your favorite design <laughs> for for Link? We covered this a bit before, actually, but yeah, a little bit. Bali. So my favorite Link. Well, even though I said it doesn't affect me a whole lot, my favorite Link is Toon Link because Wind Waker is my favorite Zelda. You're so. a Wind Waker fanboy, sir. So. <laughs> exactly. I'm not surprised. What about you? Um, you like Blondie? I like Blondie. He's, he does it for me. He's, he's got it going on. Uh, yeah, the, the the Twilight Princess Skyward Sword style is definitely my favorite. My favorite Link design. Um, it's the most modern and obvious, uh, and uh, I don't know. It's, it's the one that I'm most familiar with, honestly. And I think that's just kind of where you lean towards, like the one that you have most uh, uh, familiarity with, and the one you've kind of seen the most. And I've seen that one the most in my time playing Zelda. So that's who who I roll with, that dude. So um, there you go. Simple questions, Excellent. simple simple answers. Um, but uh, let's get ready to talk about more Zelda. Uh, before we do that, though, because um, a lot of people who don't want to hear spoilers are probably going to uh, end the podcast here. Uh, so thanks for listening. If you are going to uh, to leave us, um, but uh, we remember to email us. <laughs> yes, Bali, read out the fucking email. <laughs> so email us at nyppquestions at gmail and we will answer as many questions as possible. Yes. And uh... and try and word them nicely. Because <laughs> they will be read out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then sometimes we also trip over our words. So it's, it, it, it helps. Um, and yeah. follow us on Twitter and Meverse. Yeah. Oh, do yeah. Wanna, pl- do you want to do yours that. first? All right. Uh... I'm Lord MBZ on Twitter and Lord MBZ on Meverse, which is something that should we should be talking about because we're a Nintendo podcast, and uh, I'm assuming that uh, people who listen to this like own a Wii U and are able to to follow. Yeah, so that's a cool thing. Um, I am at Ballyman91. That's B A L Y M A N nine one, and that is also my name on Meverse. Um, I will be playing lots over the. Christmas vacation, as Americans call it. Um, so yeah, yeah. Follow me if you want to find out how we're getting on. Okay. But anyway. Awesome. So uh, that's going to close it out for the listener mail, and uh, goodbye to those who are leaving. But uh, if you're sticking with us, we're going to jump into some spoilers for Link Between Worlds. See you guys in a bit. Right, everyone, if you are here, that means that you have played a significant portion of The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, uh, or at least, uh, you know, uh, you're deep enough to where you can handle spoilers. And uh, if you do not want to be spoiled, then turn this off right now, because we are not holding Maybe back. Maybe we should make clear that we've not seen the end of the game yet, so... 
like we can spoil a lot but not everything yeah we we actually we haven't finished the game but we have seen a majority of what there is to offer in terms of dungeons so let's uh let's talk about the story uh first of all bally um Yuga so, is the main villain here. We've got Hilda in low rule. She's like fucking Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, you know, Zelda <laughs> Hilda going on. She has a Triforce staff, which is so awesome, and I love Very her design. Awesome. Uh, she reminds me a lot of Midna. She has red eyes and dark hair. What do you think? I I really like the plot at the start of the game where you first become 2D and you're stuck in that painting. Yeah. And you're like, left behind in the dungeon after battling Yuga for the first time and you're like shit man what what do I do now and obviously you know what's coming but you're like and you 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 come out of the wall and then you you have to leave the dungeon and you use all the new tricks that you've just learned on how to leave that dungeon and I just really love that in that like little bit of the game yeah um, the, the second battle with Yuga is really cool as well. It's a lot harder than the first one um, when you're like in the castle after doing those introductory dungeons. Uh, and... Oh, that one, yeah. No, I failed on that like once. Yeah, yeah. He, he turns into like three different versions, and you have to hit the one yeah. with the lighter staff um, and then smash him that way. Uh, but then when you enter enter low rule and the dark, and basically Yuga becomes like ganon and yuga at the same time he's basically like pig ganon but with like braids at the back of his hair and it's so <laughs> hilarious i just love yeah that. they basically throw a ton of story at you then yeah and then there's just this massive gap well i well, guess every... like every time that you get near a dungeon in the dark world hilda yes. would be like oh you're near this and this is the sage kind of so stuff so say i hilda of low rule oh that line but... is used so many times so yes. say i hilda of low rule <laughs> so wistful and sort of lord of the rings yeah it's, it's like, really it's really so like, say i <laughs> it's, it's really like um uh what's the the, the word uh medieval 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 very game of thrones yeah exactly um yeah. That's pretty cool. But yeah, you're right. There is kind of a lack of story elements between, like, I guess as soon as we finish the final dungeon, it'll start kicking into gear again and there'll be some more cutscenes. Yeah, it does feel like it's about to hit us hard. Yeah, you're right. Definitely. Uh, and I have mixed feelings that they have a lack of story up until then. But at the same time, I guess that's what you get when all the dungeons are you can do them in any order. It'd be very hard to implement a linear story in the same way, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not really something you think about when you think, oh, yeah, sweet, you can do loads of dungeons in any order you want, but then you think, oh, but, yeah, I guess the story takes a bit of a kick in the balls as a result but yeah like in, in twilight princess for example when uh you bring i think after you beat the water lake bed after you beat lake bed um then they have that like cutscene with zant and he comes along and he's like oh i'm gonna turn you into a wolf again and all that oh, that's an awesome cutscene um mm. and that something like Things that isn't really loads of good cutscenes yeah Something like that isn't isn't super possible, I guess, in this game. Partially because it's 3DS and it isn't as powerful, so it can't really handle too much of that stuff. Um, but also because, as far as this game goes, it's definitely just hinders on mechanics, and the story is much more in the background. Um, but it's just mm -hmm. appre it's appreciated that it's there, and I, I enjoy that it's there. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think the final boss is going to be really interesting. Did you, like... 
when you get transported after beating the second Yuga battle to Hyrule Castle, did you think that you would have to do another battle? Because he walks towards you, and like it looks like, okay, are you serious, game? Like I'm in, I'm in an arena. <laughs> I'm in an arena here. It looks like I'm gonna face him down again, and then Hilda like. Um... I'll admit that didn't cross my mind, but looking back on it, it maybe should have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got a feeling that maybe that's the arena that you're going to go back to and, and fight him in there. It's probably yeah, a good maybe. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Um, I, I, after what Jeff Ganata said on Weekend Confirmed, it, it sounds like it's going to be hard as balls. <sighs> it's going to be difficult, yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a bit more about the dungeons themselves. Um, yeah. So which ones have you not done yet? So the two I've not done are that one by the Lost Woods. The Skull Woods. Skull Woods. Yeah. And that one that is south and central where you use the hookshot. I can't remember its name. Um, the Swamp Palace? The Swamp Palace, I think. And obviously I've not done the one that you've not done yet which I'm actually going to do next, which is the Ice Palace. It's your Death Mountain, yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, out of the dungeons I've done, my favourite is probably Thief's Hideout and the Sand Palace. Is that what it's called? Sand Palace? Yeah. So what what is it you like so much about Thief's Hideout? Okay, so I saw this... I saw the boss for Thief's Hideout um, on the trailer, and when I saw it on the trailer, I just... Got got really excited because in this boss he puts his shield in front of you. He's, he's like this ghoul kind of guy with a sword and shield. You know and he what he remi- You know what he reminds me of? Like really, really reminds me of a lot is the mini boss in Arbiter's Grounds. You remember that guy? He's, yes. He's like a ghost, yes. a ghost with like a skull head, and he mm. uh, he has like a giant sword and stuff. The design of this guy reminded me so much of that mini boss. Yeah. That's partially the reason, like I love this boss so much because such a cool design. And my favorite bit about him is that he blocks with his shield, and then you're meant to you merge into his shield like it's like it's a wall, and then he flips he flips his arms back, and now you. Then you come out of his shield again, and now you're on the back of him. And while you're on the back of him, you slash at his backside, basically. Basically, yeah. his exposed area where he can... His exposed uh, ass. Yes. <laughs> his under... And... Yes. Under yeah, side. and you just wail, wail on him. And it's just a really nicely designed boss. And the dungeon itself, it's, it, they kind of imply that it's the first one you can do, because it's quite obvious how to get there and you're already in that the same area that it's in when you first come into low rule so it's implied that you can do it first and it is noticeably more straightforward i would say than the other dungeons i've done it definitely took um, me the shortest like out of all the low rule dungeons thieves hideout was the quickest it was i guess half an hour at tops for me um because like Another thing that Thieves Hideout is uh, being pointed as the first dungeon is the fact that you don't need a specific item for it. Um, and that is also kind of obvious with the boss because the main thing you do for the boss is use the merge power. Uh, there's no item yeah. necessary. So, um, yeah, it's it's really cool in that way. And I also like the cooperative mode, basically, with yeah, the second nice. uh, Thief Girl with, with you. It would be nice if there was more more plot around these thieves and her and everything but 
I mean, we've already said that it's kind of weak on plot in some ways. Yeah, it's, um, it's just very mechanics heavy. And talking about the mechanics of how that cooperative thing works, it's so refined because there's mm. no bullshit. There's no like, oh, you have to talk to her every time and go through some dialogue and be like, oh, I'll follow you now. Just like, and, uh, and then you go. I'll, command, and, I'll, I'll, I'll just conduct the command melody. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's, <laughs> no, there's no superfluous bullshit. You literally press A for her to follow you, press A again for her to stop following you. And it's that it's simple. It's very streamlined. Yeah, yeah and, and there's, there is none of that asinine annoying crap in the middle uh and it's just it just makes it like there's the, they don't slow you down in that dungeon by adding her to you and, and making you know an extra kind of uh you know a vehicle to to take on the dungeon she's almost like the item of that dungeon where yeah because you don't get one you don't use one she like most of the puzzles for the second half revolve around navigating the environment and getting her across places um and they just they just make it so easy to do that which i appreciate hugely yeah no i agree completely it's just a really smooth dungeon and one of my favorites yeah definitely awesome um so i want to talk about skull words but you haven't done it yet uh but like this is this is a dungeon where the boss made me want to tear my hair out like it was <laughs> really hard um and i'll i'll just say that the the boss for this dungeon is in keeping with the rest of the dungeon um it, it makes a lot of sense for it but you were you heard me in the skype call i was like Fuck, yeah so if you've not experienced it before just skyping with someone who's failing on a zelda boss and just them going oh, i'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna. It's quite satisfying. And, so, yeah. so I have a story about Skyward Sword when I was uh, playing that on Skype with with Nick and like Fizz in the background, and mm. I was fighting the boss of the sand ship, and the, that boss when it grabs you, you have to like shake the Wii remote to get out of the grab, like to get back on the ground, and so every time it happened, I was just like waggle, 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 waggle. And like they're in the Skype call, they have no idea what the hell's going on. Like, why, why am I randomly saying waggle, waggle, waggle? And uh, yeah, it was a bit weird. Uh, so, so that was pretty funny. Is this is this the infamous boss that's, that looks like Mike? Yeah, this is this is the yes. the uh, aforementioned in the previous podcast boss. Yes, uh, that, that they boss. should it should be the mascot of our podcast. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, so let's talk about the Desert Palace because you played that one as well. Yes, um, no, this is this is probably my favorite of the ones I've played, um, even more so than Thief's Hideout. I l- I thought you said Thief's Hideout was your favorite. Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I said both of them were my favorite. I guess you can tie with both of them. Okay, but... I, well, it was a tie, but this one, having thought on reflection, yeah. is probably my favorite. Um, I've just finished, well, not just finished, but finished very recently spirit tracks like i said and i the last weapon in that game is the sand rod and i really really liked that weapon in that game and they just really streamlined that weapon for this game and made it far more powerful in a way it's the the blocks of sand that you create are much bigger and more impressive and on top of that you can merge into them like it's a wall which is a really clever thing to do like it was clever in the in spirit tracks where you could guide zelda across uh paths that you created but this game it's just smoother and much 
like I, I've used this word a lot, streamlined. Yeah. <laughs> it's just much better than than that game, and they made it um, like graphically with the 3D. It looks really cool when it comes boom straight towards your face. And oh yeah, yeah. Uh, with the 3D. I mean, what what do you think about it? Yeah, no. Um, I was about to make the point about being able to merge into the sand dunes. Like when you figure that out and it clicks, you're like. Oh, you geniuses. Like, that is <laughs> so cool. Like, oh, I'm, I, when those kind of moments happen in Zelda games, those I think are the most satisfying. And that's the reason I come back to playing these games because of those instances where you're just like hit with the magic of this game design. And you're like, these people, let me pay them more money for this. Like, it's not enough what I paid, paid already. They, they, uh, they are, really smart when it comes to those kind of areas um and there's like what about sorry you go ahead this this dungeon is a little bit similar to how water dungeons traditionally operate i feel because there's a lot of moving sand from one area to another and making levels um higher and lower uh and i actually had quite a bit of trouble on this one because i was being dumb uh, and forgot about this room like near where the boss key is where i had to go first before i got the boss key because i needed to raise the sand level um but when i figured that out and got that sorted it was it was fine and there was this room where uh, there are these blocks which you have to blow up with bombs and they provide bombs for you but i was like okay how the hell do i get these bombs to those blocks so i was trying to throw them up there and i was like why why is it not working like how do i do this and then i realized that the sand is like present underneath these pillars and what you have to mm. do is to use the sand while a bomb is on one of those areas next yeah, to it. Yeah, that was so satisfying. Up, lift it up next to it and then that will blow up the blocks, which is oh, when I got that I was like, oh yes, okay. Nice. Sorted that out. Um What did you think about the boss? Yeah the the boss of this one is really tough. Uh I thought this I found it easier than others, but mm. I, I I don't know. I th- I definitely think like it's probably my second hardest boss that I've had to take down. Um, I died. Okay. I don't think I died on it because I had a fairy, but I had to be really kind of careful around it the second time when I got my HP back. Uh, my heart's refilled because you're essentially in a an arena where if you fall into the sand you lose like hearts and if you get hit by all these things you lose there's so many ways to lose hearts here as opposed to other areas um other other boss arenas anyway that which makes it a lot more difficult to be you know conservative and and keep your life going i think that if you're smart about it and you don't get hit then it's a lot easier because you can you know, you can use the uh, master sword or the the swords like um, I think it's the master sword that only gets this is the beam, the beam that you shoot out when you're at full health, um, because that that basically helps you get the long range and and they're able uh, to get far away. No, I was never in that situation with the, this boss. <laughs> I, I, I was at the beginning, but once I lost you know a heart, I was like, right, fuck it, I need to go in and and just hammer the beam on. The other thing I found about this boss, like so many hits to t- take it down, so many hits, like it. Was yeah, dying. I find that about a lot of these bosses, actually. It's like, it's not this whole kind of five hits, you're done. It's often taking me six, eight, ten hits. And maybe I'm just not wailing on that B button fast enough sometimes, but wow, they take a lot of hits. Yeah, it's it's nice, actually, to get away from that, to get away from the traditional three things and done with a Zelda boss, which is 
everything. Yeah. It's like, okay, I've got to do this sequence and then hit them once, and then do this sequence, hit them once, and then this. It sequence, makes them feel more done. like a proper battle, like an actual. It's much more like Metroid, like because Metroid, you're not necessarily using specific items on bosses. It's much more of a battle of attrition, and you're wailing on them. And there is use, like in this battle, for example, the sand rod isn't used offensively. It's used for your advantage in terms of traversal. Uh, but the only way to deal damage to the boss is to use like either bow and arrow or to just hit it with a sword and uh you're not tied down like you you don't have to use a specific item to deal damage which is what i like about it it gives you that freedom yeah no i i agree i think that having that ease with where you you're basically using the item to get them into the position where you will on them and that's nice. I mean, other Zeldas do that as well, but you it's, it's, don't feel as under pressure. Yeah. Under pressure. <laughs> anyway, um, what other uh, dungeon do you want to talk about? Which ones have you done, the other ones? Um, the Dark Palace. Yeah, let's talk about the Dark Palace. Now, this was my hardest boss by a long way. Now, it was the first dungeon I did, like yourself, though. But you did it like first time, and it took me like a bazillion times. <laughs> and I think it was because I didn't merge into the walls because I was just being an idiot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was awkward. But I, <laughs> I think that this this dungeon in particular does probably the best job of utilizing multiple items. Um. Not only in the dungeon itself, but also within the boss battle, because the items here that are necessary are the bombs and the lantern. And uh, the lantern is something you get straight from the beginning, like very early on. Uh, and it's not yeah, really. I really like, like the lantern in this game. It's very simple. Doesn't run out of fucking oil. <laughs> uh, you know what? Also, is is the thing we didn't talk about in the previous segment, but the way that that items work in this game there's no picking up bombs or picking up arrows it all uses the the purple meter um which i love i think that's such like uh, again we use this word loads but making this game so much more streamlined that is a huge factor and has a huge part to play uh it just stops the need for unnecessary chests that contain bombs and unnecessary pots that contain arrows and that kind of thing like it just makes things so much easier and it allows you to concentrate much more on the the dungeon puzzles and the combat as opposed to worrying about inventory management yeah i'll actually disagree with you on this a little bit i'm part of me inside of me thematically is going because like just the idea of having infinite arrows there's something about that that's just like annoys me in this really simple stupid childish way but um i kind of like the luxury in other zelda games where you can upgrade say um your quiver and you can carry say 60 60 arrows and just having the ability to get yourself up to 60 arrows find something you want to shoot out and absolutely shoot at and just just absolutely wail on them um and you can't do that in this game. And that that does annoy me a little bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 I get that. There's there's the limitation where if you want to, like, for example, on a boss, you can go crazy with the sword. There's no limit to that thing. You can just mm-hmm. hammer on it. Whereas if you want to, like, put loads of arrows, it's not like in Metroid where you can just 
slam down missiles because you have like 200 missiles and you just keep going crazy with them. The arrows will take time to recharge. You can only fire so many at a time. I, yeah, I understand. I, d- I definitely uh, feel feel you there. Um, but the thing I like about it is that it makes you manage just a single bar as opposed to trying to manage multiple facets because the bar accounts for not only your item usage, but also your merging into the walls. And I think in this dungeon we're talking about in particular, dark, the Dark Palace, that's really important for the boss because you need to keep the bombs going and hitting him and you need to be able to be merging into the wall as well. It's something you weren't doing. So that's probably why you didn't, you know, have, have much uh, consciousness about that system there. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I, I think the boss in this, this dungeon was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought it was relatively easy to figure out. And that's the thing, like this, this game hasn't really got bosses that are hard to understand how to defeat them. And that's something that I feel is a little mm-hmm. bit missing. Like in, in traditional Zeldas, the, the kind of the real battle is the mental one where you're figuring out where do I go with this boss? How do I approach him to it's like, find the It's like point. how many hearts can you lose before you know how to do it sort of thing. And if you yeah. go in there knowing how to do it, then it's off, it's so much easier. Yeah, I feel like the time to figure out how to beat a boss in this game is a lot quicker. Like you're like, okay, that's the thing. I'll try it. Yeah, it works. Okay, let's let's kill him. Like that's it's it's a much um, faster experience as opposed to the kind of more uh, cognitive way that you deal with enemies in in other Zeldas. Um, but yeah, no, I I really enjoy the Dark Palace. Uh, again, uh, talking about how it uses the bombs and the lanterns. Um, that's you know th- those are very heavily leveraged here and i think just much more so than in the the other dungeons where the item is used but not as much as it is is in this one um i also want to comment on the area leading up to it with the stealth segment uh what do you think yes. about that i i love the actual mechanics of the scenario but i i again like there's something lacking in you you get a little brief brief spiel from hilda saying oh these people used to be my subjects or some random crap like that and it's just like that's interesting but maybe if they were developed a bit more or something it's just they're really random i find yeah i mean (laughs) you're sort of walking along you're like who the hell are these guys what what like it's it's very strange so in terms of the story i'm not a huge fan of them i'll I'll be honest i'll be honest that kind of thing never occurs to me i'm just like oh these are enemies let me get past them like i don't even i don't even like think like oh why are these guys just like oh okay i need to what are they guarding the dark palace i don't know does it matter like that's that's oh yeah because like wind waker is very clear that there are guards guarding the forsaken fortress and that you have to get past them blah 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 these guys are just like Oh yeah, they used to be my subjects. And then what? What happened to them? Why are they badass? Why do they have beams coming from their heads? Like, I'm missing something here. Fair enough, but like, do you it, know what I mean? Fair enough. I I just don't care. Like that's my that's my stance <laughs> on it. I honestly don't care. My my objective is get past the beamy eyed weirdos, and that's that. Uh, it's it was nice I because. Guess. It was nice because it gave me a little bit of nostalgia for Ocarina of Time, the very beginning of the game, where you're doing that stealth segment, getting past the guards. Um, this is a lot Yeah, easier. they have the hands tracks as well. 
I, I think it's one of those things that they just reuse in Zeldas in general. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a lot easier in this game because you are so hidden by being a, a painting in the wall that they have like basically very difficult. And they do it make. in both that bit where you're getting past those random guys with lasers on their heads, and they also do it in the thief's hideout. But they, they you end up in these prison cells that you can just sort of escape by becoming 2D. And it's just hilarious that they keep putting you back there. Yeah. <laughs> they don't realize that you just have this trick up your sleeve that gets you. I, I don't know. It's very funny. Yeah. It's quite it's quite satisfying the first time you do that. It's like, oh, I'm, then, I'm in prison. Oh, God. And then I'll just slip out the side. Here we go. Very easy. Yeah. Okay. Um is there anything else you want to touch on for like spoilers and, and that kind of thing? What uh, what are the is there another dungeon you've done that uh, you wanted to talk about or uh, you pretty much? Uh, I'm just trying to think. No, I don't think there is actually. I think we've talked about all the ones I've done. Uh, Turtle Rock, you did, didn't you? Turtle Rock, yeah, that's the only dungeon I've done where I left chests behind because it, I was just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and I, also I struggled both in the dungeon and with the boss in terms of losing hearts just to fire and falling off and this and that. And that's even when I had upgraded my ice rod. So, like, I probably found that the toughest out of the ones I've done so far. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely think it was a good uh, idea to go into this dungeon with the upgraded ice rod. Because otherwise, I don't know... I told you to do that. (laughs) I don't know how many times I would have died otherwise. Like, it made it so much easier. And I did get all the chests, by the way. But I I understand why you had trouble and why it was difficult for you to think about how the hell to get to those Uh, I guess my brain is just not as developed as yours. (laughs) Well, I mean, clearly I am intellectually (laughs) superior. No, no, no. I think, like, the thing in that dungeon is you're using the warp panels, right, to get around. Um, And so you have to get to a specific warp panel, which will then lead you to a specific room, which will then get you to those chests. Uh, Actually, a lot of... Probably the chests that you didn't get are the ones where you have to defeat all the enemies in the room. Uh, that's a couple of chests popped up for that. Uh, yeah, no, so there are yeah. those there are those fireworms that pop out in the, that main room. Um, you have to kill all of those fireworms, and the chest will pop up. And then in the other room where all the ghosts are, you have to defeat all the ghosts uh, in that room to pop up a chest as well. Um, and those chests only contain like rupees and stuff. It's, it's not the a big, big deal. one. What does the big one contain? Or oh oh no, you need the big one. Do you want me to tell you what's in the big one? Because the Hylian shield. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> so I would say if you didn't get that, just go Does it back. guard you from fire? Um, I it, got, it basically reduces damage from magical attacks, I think. Or, or it just protects you more from magical attacks or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, you get the Hylian shield. Uh, right, so, well, I know where I'm going before I go anywhere else yeah go back and get that definitely if you if you can't figure it out then look up a guide on how to do it because it's kind of necessary um i actually i think yeah. all you need to do is just kill the ghosts in the room i'm pretty sure that's it you just use the ice rod on them and they should be pretty simple um so yeah um i have i have it appeared with all the pillars next to it i just don't know how to get to it right okay i don't know it doesn't matter don't don't have my newbie chat <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll deal with that later um we'll deal with that later. <laughs> well. uh anyway uh i think that's pretty much it like i have 
I've done the the Swamp Palace, which you haven't, which is the Water Dungeon, and I've done the yes. um, the the Skull Woods as well. Uh, and yeah, uh, the 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 Water Palace is definitely less painful than most Water Dungeons are. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's good, uh, and there's also an item in there which uh, makes the game a lot easier, and it's probably why I had less trouble in Turtle Rock than you did. Um, but I think that if you you want to maintain the challenge, then you should not do the Swamp Palace until the end. Um, maybe yeah. that is the last one, and then you'll find it a lot more difficult. But I kind of have uh, the upgrade, and uh, yeah, it's 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 making things easier for me. So um, maybe maybe that's something that you should uh, try and avoid. Um, but um, I, th- I think we've done uh, a good amount here. Like uh, yeah, may- no, maybe. A little bit about the upgraded items. How many upgraded items do you have? Three. Okay. I think I've done the bow and arrow, the bombs, and the fire, the, the ice, ice rod. rod. Yeah, I've got the ice rod, the boomerang, and the bombs done. Um, I'm intrigued as to what they're going to do for like the sand rod or something. I like... Yeah, I, I have no idea, honestly. That's that's something yeah, to so... find out. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll invest uh, some my mys into uh, discovering what that's all about. And I'll I mean, you know, there are a hundred my mys in the game. Are there ten items? I think so. I think if you include the bug net, it's ten. I don't know if it counts on the bug net though. That's that's my question. I can imagine that you can upgrade the bug net for a bigger bug net. Or maybe there's just a reward at the at the hundredth one for getting all hundred of them. Maybe that's it. Uh, mm. I'll go. I'll go after those and try and get them. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, uh, I think we've spoiled significant amounts of this game. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we've had a good chat. Good job. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, this this is basically gonna close out the podcast. Uh, bye. Been, it's been fun this one definitely lots, has, of, Ze- lots of Zelda chat um, and uh, probably the same with Mario next time so be on yes, the lookout absolutely. for that um, uh, I I think I'm going to mention this at the start of the show uh, as well but um, we are trying to get the show onto iTunes and uh, that is proving rather difficult for me right now uh, so I'm going to do my best with that but um be assured that we'll eventually do that. Uh, if not, I'll try and provide like a download link to an MP3 or something if people want to listen to this on the go. That'd probably be a good idea. But um, yeah, Bali, thank you for joining we, me. We will sort it out. <laughs> yeah, we will indeed. Um, we will. Uh, any any closing words here, Bali? Uh, don't know. Just play Zelda. Buy, buy Zelda. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. If honestly, this is up there with 3D Land as. The two games you should own on 3DS, in my opinion. The Essentials. The Essentials. So, uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, I guess we'll see you in a couple of weeks. As always, remember, send in that listener mail, and um, I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, So, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. (laughs) Goodbye, guys. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 